Most of the time when people are looking to make a purchase, especially a complex purchase, what they'll do is they'll try to find a few people who look like they really know what they're talking about and they'll ignore all the other noise and they'll just follow whatever those people say. The goal of social selling is to turn yourself into that person for your industry. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to episode five of the Traction House Investment Marketing Podcast. Uh, today, I'm actually here with my co-founder, Simon Yalbert. How's it going, man? Good, how are you? Pretty good. And uh, we're going to be chatting about social selling. We're going to demystify the concept. We know it's a trending term and it's something that a lot of people are paying attention to. But if you haven't gotten your feet wet yet or taken a dive into social selling, we want to sort of demystify what the term means, why it's important specifically for finance managers and financial advisors, and get you started on the right foot. Give you some tips and tricks and things that you can start to do uh, just to start to work into your daily habit no more than half hour a morning what i think we'll do first simon is you were telling me a little bit earlier the definition of social selling so mm-hmm. let's just start off with what a how would we attraction house clearly define social selling what is that i mean it's a pretty simple concept uh you can kind of define it as it's the art of using social media to find to connect with to understand and to nurture sales prospects and i think that we've all seen people in our respective industries do it Right. So we've all seen these people that get on Twitter, they get on LinkedIn and they post stuff and it gets a ton of views. It gets a ton of comments and a ton of attention. And lo and behold, those guys actually close a ton of deals off of those uh, off of those posts. So in essence, that's what social selling really is. I guess if we're thinking about this idea of social selling, social selling is this activity of we like to use the term becoming known, liked and trusted. And this is probably a familiar term to a lot of you. You're, you're familiar with that. Um, it's not a it's not a new concept that people like to buy from people that they know, like, and trust. Simon, I guess, what is the uh, the idea behind being known, liked, and trusted? And where does that come from? Yeah, I think it comes from, um, well, it comes from a couple of people who've studied sales. And, and what they've essentially come up with is the fact that selling has never really changed. Like selling and buying different products, different services has really never changed. People tend to buy it from people that they know that they like or companies that they know and like and that they trust. And it used to be that it was a very one-to-one process, right? You would meet a prospect and then it was your job to get known, liked, and trusted with them uh, over the course of a steak dinner or a coffee or a sit-down meeting. And what social media has done, it's it's kind of turned that on its head and it's allowed people to get known, liked, and trusted at scale. And for a couple of reasons, social selling has become a pretty big thing, but that's that's definitely the, uh, the biggest one right there. Okay, so now that we have a bit of an understanding of what social selling is, why don't we spend some time making a bit of a case for social selling? I think it's important for folks to understand why it's important, not just what it is, but how does it play into the day-to-day activities um, and why is it worth your time every day, specifically in the finance space? I, I think just beyond finance for, for pretty much every company, and yeah, you're seeing every company out there do this. I think people just realize that that consumers are making decisions very differently now than they were a couple of years ago. It used to be that unless you got cold called or you saw an ad or your friend was going to tell you about a new service, you just would never have found out about it. Now, people do their own research they're online they're googling stuff they're taking a look at the uh, the influencers the people that they should be trusting about different services there's a stat that we saw on i think it was a hootsuite post that people are usually about 57 percent of the way through the buying process before they actually reach out to uh, to a company these days. So it's important to be online. It's important to have a presence there. And social selling really comes into, I think, the, the trust aspect of all this. Most of the time when people are looking to make a purchase, especially uh, a complex purchase, what they'll do is they'll try to find a few people who look like they really know what they're talking about and they'll ignore all the other noise and they'll just follow whatever those people say. The goal of social selling 
is to turn yourself into that person for your industry. Maybe someone's not ready to buy from you today, but at least you'll be top of mind and you'll be the, their trusted source of information so that when they are ready to buy, you're the first person they think about and you're the first person they reach out to. So that that's that's the primary reason why I think social selling has become such a big thing. Just people make the decisions very differently today. Absolutely, no, I think it's also worth noting that becoming known, liked and trusted and becoming visible to a core set of buyers or your core niche is becoming more and more difficult as the noise level of the attention economy uh, is continuing to rise. You know, in the 19th 1970s, there was a stat uh, that we read recently where when you wake up in the morning and you'd go get your coffee at a local cafe and read the newspaper and stuff, throughout your day, you'd be presented with about 500 bids for your attention. So this is like billboards, this is people calling you, um, you know, this is just reading newspaper articles or advertisements in the newspaper. Throughout your day, you would come across about 500 messages that are intentionally trying to get into your psyche and, and to gain your attention and to move you towards a, a buying decision. Today, they estimate that number is between 5,000 and 10,000. And a lot of that's obviously got to do with our the amount of time we spend on apps, uh, social media platforms. There's a thing called infinite scroll. And so if you guys are on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you'll know that when you start to scroll through the newsfeed, there's no bottom. Um, and so naturally, just because of our behavior, we are exposed to unbelievable amounts of messaging and unbelievable amounts of bids for your attention. And so the consequence of that is we've gotten a heck of a lot more picky on what we spend our time on and what we give our attention to and the meetings that we take. And it translates to everything. So, you know, it's much more difficult to get meetings now than it used to be because there's just so many more people um, and so much more noise out there. There was a book written a while back, back in, I think, 2004, and it was called The Paradox of Choice. And the concept of The Paradox of Choice is you are actually happier with less choice than more choice. So if you've got, you know, if you walk into a shoe store and you see three pairs of shoes and you choose one and walk away, um, that per you'll feel better about your purchase decision than if you had a hundred pairs of shoes on the wall and you chose that one because the what if factor is so much higher. And in today's attention economy, it's the same thing. There's just so much choice to put your attention. There's so much information. There's so many news articles and headlines trying to get uh, you to spend time on it that you just, you get frustrated and subliminally what you're doing is you're becoming more and more picky and more and more timely and uh, more and more intolerant of messaging. Simon, you mentioned that it's it's important to be online, it's important to have a presence and to be that platform and to be posting and stuff, but how do you rise above all of the other people that are doing social selling? How do you rise above that noise of information? Yeah, I think that's when knowing your customer really comes into play. So you're gonna wanna ask yourself a few questions, right? You're gonna wanna ask yourself, who is it that I'm selling to, right? So get a really good understanding of who that target market is. What's my competitive advantage? over the other people or not necessarily competitive advantage, but what niche can I own? And then you're gonna ask, you're gonna wanna ask yourself, where does my target market live online? And I think that if you can answer those three questions very clearly, and it doesn't have to be perfect on day one, uh, that's the beautiful thing about the digital advertising, you're gonna start with a leg up. At least that's my, uh, that's the way I, I kind of look at things. You'll recall if you listened to a previous podcast on episode four, um, it was with the president of Resolve Asset Management, Mr. Mike Philbrick, and Justin Castelli at RLS Wealth Management, financial advisor and uh, marketing consultant for financial advisors down in Indiana. And we talked about this idea of tribe building. I want to unpack a little bit about what it means to tribe build. I want to sort of spend a little bit of time just um, touching on, on what we talked about on our last podcast. Tribe building is, is very much about building a core group of folks that follow you, like you, buy into your 
core philosophy and in our in the finance space that would be the investing philosophy and just who you are as a person you need to find those folks and connect with them digitally and the nice thing about social platforms is it enables social platforms are a vehicle for you to find those early adopters and those fan base so when you're thinking about this idea of social selling I want you to think about who are the kinds of folks right now in your life that you interact with that believe in you that trust you that have experienced your value and that know you can deliver and what are you known for you know start to think about that what are you known for right now with your current client base what are you what niches are you good at what are you a champion in or a domain expert in and then think about where do I find you know a thousand more of those kinds of people and when you produce content and you share content and you commentate and you contribute to social conversations, it's important to always have your core tribe in mind. These are the kinds of folks that are going to, to buy into your philosophy and, uh, and, and share your content and be a fan of, of what you're saying online. So how do we try build? What are some of the things that we can do to try build? I mean, I think you touched on a few of them there. Like who is already part of your unofficial tribe, even though you, you may have not never thought about it in those terms. Uh, the other thing that I would say is, is like, you know, who do you like serving? Who do you like working with? Uh, at the end of the day, most of you guys will be providing a service to those people. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a lot better at delivering that service if I actually like who I'm delivering it to. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so that's a big part of, of, of my strategy. The first thing that I would do beyond just this initial thinking phase is I would get on LinkedIn and I would get on Twitter. I would try to locate my tribe members, my future tribe members. And what I would try to do is, is see what articles they're liking, what they're clicking on, what they're sharing. And through LinkedIn, through Twitter, that's, you know, that's, that's entirely possible. You can do that. And I would try to get maybe a list of 10 to 20 of those folks. And I would try to identify some common themes behind the stuff that they're clicking on and, and they're sharing their reading. And then I would start pretty simply. I mean, I, I would just start to comment on those things, like those things, uh, and see if I can take those things offline and, and have some phone conversations with those, those folks in a pretty passive, non-salesy way. Okay, so we've talked about what social selling is. We've demystified it. The social selling is the idea of participating in social conversations, getting on social media with this idea of becoming known, liked, and trusted by your ideal prospects. That's an ongoing day-to-day -day thing. You've got to stay committed to it. You've got to be intentional. Um, you don't want to just post for the sake of posting. You want to make sure that you're posting something that's original that you really think is going to deliver value to your core tribe base. Um, let's talk a little bit now about, I think we're going to move into the finance space specifically. Simon and I are are pretty heavily focused on the finance space and the reason for that is because we have observed um, through talking with a lot of industry folks asset managers financial advisors there are what we're defining as paradigm shift level forces in the finance space that's contributing to the importance and relevance of social selling today mm -hmm. right now so what are some of those forces Simon? yeah one that's really interesting are the uh, the economic forces behind all this so there's this widespread phenomena happening across the financial space, which is that fee compression is really taking a toll on a ton of different businesses. Uh, and that's making the, the prospect of going straight to the investor a lot more appealing. Uh, and there's a lot of firms that are, you know, this is the first time they do this. this is, they've been running their firms for 20, 30 years, and it's the first time that they have to deal with this. And, uh, and they're kind of scratching their heads. And, and social selling is a great way to do this. Chad mentioned Mike Philbrick a bit earlier. But yeah, there's this, this great quote that he gave us a couple months ago when, he, when we met with him. And that was that the wholesale model is quickly becoming obsolete. Right? So asset managers everywhere are going to have to find new ways to reach uh, their end consumer. That was a very eloquent way of putting it, but that's something that we're, that's something that we're hearing pretty much in every meeting that we're, that we're stepping into right now. What about uh, the social forces? What's going on there? Yeah, I mentioned one earlier, and that's that 57% of consumers now do online, re or 
through the buying process before they actually reach out to the company. So again, you want to make sure that when those people do their research, that you are one of the people or you are one of the companies that they refer to for that research. So becoming a thought leader in your space is very important. Again, social selling, really, really good for that. Another another stat is 97% of institu institutional investors now use digital resources for investing uh, and over 79% of them use social media specifically. Oh, wow. Yeah, so people are people are jumping on this it's thing. It's interesting. You wouldn't think that institutional investors, because those guys, we always think of them as the most complex buyers in the, pair, in the, in the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, but even them, they spend a lot of time educating themselves digitally and, and participating specifically in social media, which I kind of candidly thought, well, that's kind of below those guys. These guys are really looking for yeah. offline, real good quality data yeah. with their analyst team. But no, they're they're personally spending time on social, looking at feeds just like we are. Yeah, I mean, it's the information superhighway, right? It's social media. Where do people get their news today? They get it from they get it from social networks. Yeah. So it's important that you're on there and that you, 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 you kind of prove yourself on those platforms. Right. So we've talked about economic forces. So we've got stuff like fee compression, uh, which is eating away at margins. We have increasing compliance costs. So the regulators are consistently uh, creating new costs in the business model. And the wholesale model overall is becoming more costly. It's more and more expensive to get leads through traditional modes like um, cold calling, cold emailing, sending external wholesalers on, on road trips and doing seminars in person. That kind of stuff costs a, a few dollars. Mm -hmm. And so those are the kinds of things that are contributing in the economic side. On the social side, you said buying behavior. We've got a lot of people that are doing a lot more research online now. Mm -hmm. um, we've got stats that even the, the most complex decision makers, even them are spending time right on social media, they're right inside of LinkedIn. So what about technology for us? Let's talk a little bit about technology for a minute. Yeah, I think that's one that's, that's I mean, we provide a lot of value in uh, specifically just, just coming from that world. But man, a lot of these companies think that running a very tight marketing system is very expensive. And it used to be, but it's it's not anymore. Like a lot yeah. of companies have come out of the woodworks and have been founded and that's essentially what they tried to fix. So for a company to run a Bridgewater type marketing funnel is, is not that, it's not out of the question for, uh, for a smaller fund to do. Yeah, that's interesting. The other thing I wanna mention too in the technology side is this rise of the robo-advisor. And, um, you know, if, we're, if you are been watching TV at all, if West Trade comes up quite a bit, they've done, I think, a really good job at capturing the thematic movement and the consciousness of society where they're trying to make financial advisors irrelevant. They're trying to say, no, these guys are way too expensive. Um, just go digital. Do your investing digitally through a robo-advisor um, or, you know, you, you can cut out the, the human in it. Mm -hmm. And so there are some there's some technological developments that are highly disruptive in the in this space that I think lends the opportunity to to fight back a little bit. If you are a financial advisor, if you're somebody that you would consider to be a victim of the the robo movement. No, there's a way for you to come back to punch back and say, hey, you know what? We are still relevant and here's why and, and build up a platform digitally through social channels that maintains your your place in the industry, your rightful place in the industry, and to overcome a lot of the stigmas that are being developed by the robo-industry, robo-community. So that about wraps up the case that we're making right now. This is sort of the the key themes. So we're seeing economic forces, social forces, and technology forces. So if you're an asset manager, small, mid-sized, or even large asset manager, or a financial advisor, social selling is what we think is the answer to a lot of the challenges um, that are you're facing today, um, and especially on the on the marketing side of things. How does a asset manager or finance advisor? How do they get started with social selling? These guys are super busy, obviously, mm -hmm. right? A lot of our audience members are going to be even half an hour is is a big ask for some of these guys. So mm -hmm. why is it worth half an hour to these guys? And, and what what do they do with that half hour, forty five minutes in the morning? Yeah, hopefully we've made a good case for why you really wanted to jump on this. 
But say you're sold and, and you, you want to start doing this. The first thing that I would do is I would just start observing and studying. So I would jump on LinkedIn and Twitter for maybe 15, 20 minutes a day. And I would just observe what people are liking and what people are sharing in the industry, what the comments are, etc. And and just start to develop uh, an understanding of how this whole machine works. When you think about spending time each day engaging this idea of social selling, I think taking a posture of listening to what's going on in the industry is good. Um, it's going to tune you into the, the, the conversations of the day, things that are trending, stuff like that. But there's actually a couple of tools that we want to point you to um, that Simon and I use in-house to conduct our own social selling that we're finding very, very helpful and it takes a lot of the burden off of, off of this stuff. So what are some of the tools that people can do to, to do what's called social listening? Yeah, Hootsuite's a really, really good one. Uh, Canadian company out of Vancouver. But essentially what they allow you to do is to, is to and this is going to make a lot more sense if you... Uh, if you're on Twitter, but it allows you to break down your follower, the people that you follow into specific lists. So you can follow prospects, you can follow influencers, you can do all that stuff. And and you can keep a closer look on what people are sharing, what pe- people are posting, etc. Um, so it really speeds up your, your research. So it almost allows you to like subscribe to certain people on Twitter, sort of like you subscribe to a newsletter. Right? Yeah. So when those people tweet or send a post that shows up in a custom feed, I guess. That's right. So check out hootsuite.com. That's the tool we use for social listening. We get a lot of ideas, content ideas, um, trend ideas, stuff to, to, talk, to talk about. The other thing, the quick tip I want to mention is if you find writing blog posts and recording uh, podcasts even or any of this stuff daunting, you don't have to start with all that stuff. You can actually start by having a link, just creating a LinkedIn profile if you don't already. I imagine you most of, most of you will have a LinkedIn profile. Set up a Hootsuite account, go on Twitter, and search hashtags. What's a hashtag, by the way? Hashtag is essentially, I mean, a trend, something that's happening on those platforms that, that people are posting about. So what you'll see most people do on Twitter is that they'll, they'll post something, say, about social selling, and then at the end, they'll do hashtag social selling. So if I were to look for the hashtag social selling, uh, I would get, I'd be faced with a, a list of everyone who've added that trend uh, in their tweets. So the reason I asked that, guys, is because you can follow hashtags, you can search up hashtags, and you can populate your Hootsuite account with um, finance-specific hashtags, but the hashtags are going to allow you to quickly sift through the platform and find influencers within those realms or those themes. Um, And so if you want to learn about, I don't know, retirement planning, you can do hashtag retirement planning inside Mm -hmm. of Twitter, and you can find uh, really, really popular guys that are doing a really great job owning social selling in the retirement planning space. And so if you're a retirement planner, and you want to really up your game, your social selling game, follow the guys that are doing the good job in the industry right now. And you can get a lot of ideas just from what they're posting and you can share their content and commentate on it. Perhaps the lightest, most uh, burdenless way that you can get started with social selling is to have a Hootsuite account, listen to some of the influencers, share what they're posting and commentate on it mm-hmm. and ask your audience inside of LinkedIn to for their opinion and get a conversation going. Yeah, 100%. And I think what's what usually ends up happening is people get in the habit of doing it. Something pretty magical happens one day, which is that people actually start replying to your comments and you start having conversations on there. Maybe you're lucky enough to even take one offline. And then you're, I mean, I was hooked. Like as soon as that happened, I was like, man, how can I get the most out of this possible? And that's when content creation really entered the picture uh, for me specifically. Once that happened, then I sat down and I said, all right, I want to create content that generates those conversations for other people. What do I want to post? hundred percent. It's going to take some time. Um, if you're not, if you're new to social selling and you're new to this whole idea of being digital and building a tribe online, 
Um, you just have to get your feet wet, you know, give it a shot and stay consistent with it. Simon and I have, have secured a number of, of deals and business uh, through content marketing. These are people that come into us inbound. Um, they're looking for our services like ours and they read our stuff. They read a blog article, mm -hmm. they listen to a podcast. And what it does is two things. One, it develops awareness of who you are, but it also gives you some credibility. If they see, perception is reality. So if they see that you're in the game and they see that you're posting and you're putting thought leadership out there on a consistent basis, right away, it puts you a level above a lot of your competitors because you're engaged in the conversation and you can be seen as a thought leader. You can be seen as somebody that's in the game. Just if you even just have a podcast or have a blog or are consistently posting. All right, man, that's that's it for us for now. Um, Simon, do you have any final words? Just to, to hop back on what you just said, I mean, it comes back to the concept of getting known, liked, and trusted, right? If someone sees something that you posted on LinkedIn, uh, they didn't know about you two seconds ago, now they do. If they like your tone, if they like your what you're presenting, then maybe they'll start to like you a little bit. And if you do that enough times, and if you show enough thought leadership, well, then they're going to start to trust you. And that's the entire game. So that's why uh, that's why getting on this stuff is, is really, really, really important. You've been listening to the Traction House Investment Marketing Podcast, designed to help investment advisors and marketing practitioners leverage content marketing to rise above the noise in today's crowded, fragmented attention economy, capture investor mindshare, and ultimately grow their AUM. We hope you found today's conversation insightful. Stay tuned for more.